Hi, I'm Super Buzz. Welcome to the Net Hero Podcast. If you've not listened, where have you been? Come on, get involved. We talk about all things energy, sustainability, and of course, net zero. We're here to talk about business and what it can do to make the planet better. We're here to talk about science. We're here to talk about you. So if you'd like to be involved, then do drop us a line. Listen in, tell your friends, tell your business partners, subscribe. And for all your news around net zero, follow us on futurenetzero.com. Now, on to this week's episode. Hello, in this episode of the Net Hero podcast, it's a topic that I've flirted with. Oh my God, I've even romanced many a time. And you may have heard of it, graphene. It's a subject that's come up many a time. It's a form of carbon that people have said, what, 10 years ago maybe now? It'll revolutionize our world. It's going to change our clothing. It's going to change our tires. It's going to change our energy system. Has it? Hmm, I'm not too sure. But graphene has many, many uses, and one of them is in renewable energy technologies. And that's what we're going to discuss today, because there's a lot of talk about what's happening in terms of our kind of EV uh, market, the batteries that we have, photovoltaics uh, as well. And a lot of that talk is about the security of where we get the stuff. Now, if you've been reading Future Net Zero and Energy Lab News or any other channels, you'll know pretty much the Chinese have a very large market. And that's kind of developed over the last decade. Other companies, as uh, other countries, uh, sorry, are trying to catch up. And, you know, we've got even plans here in the UK to start looking for lithium. Other people are looking for it. But are there other technologies, and could graphene be one of them, to unlock the ability to not just buy from China, but for other nations to start looking at different ways to try and get aboard this whole battery tech and renewable side of things. Well, that's what we're going to discuss today with John DeMeo, who's the um, CEO of Graphics Technologies, which is part of a company called the Graphics Group. John, thanks for joining us from sunny California, although your background is quite cold, I would say. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for having me. I, I look forward to our discussion. So, so tell us a little briefly, and it's not an advert, but what is the Graphics Group? Yeah, so we are midstream processors of natural graphite into graphene and graphite-related products, primarily for use in lithium-ion batteries. Um, that's the, the highest and best use of graphite in today's you know, electrification movement. So we have been processing, and I call it midstream processing. We don't do the mining of the natural graphite, but we take it from that stage into, again, a refined stage that's, that's primarily used for the anode side of lithium-ion batteries. Let's talk about graphene, and I, I mentioned it in the intro there, and people have probably heard the term, but let's do a bit of 101 science. What exactly is graphene? It's a great question, and I won't, I won't go too deep into the tech, but graphene is really the term related to a single layer of, of carbon atoms in the form of graphite. And where, what a lot of people refer to when I say Graphene, it's it's the the miracle substance, right? Two hundred times harder than, than steel. Yep. You know, as diamond, uh, highly conductive, etc. That material is is quite difficult to produce in any kind of of uh, volume in in sheets, we'll say. And there really aren't that many commercial uses for it as of this time, right? So there are a lot of of emerging technologies to try and use graphene and say 
you know, super, um, super strengthening concrete and textiles. But as far as, as like large scale commercial applications, that's still kind of being explored. Now where it gets interesting, and again, I won't try to be too technical, but graphene is also, the graphene layer, we'll say, is the area within the graphite in an anode of a battery where the electrons, the ions are stored. Yeah. So when we talk about the graphene layer, it's really that single layer of, of uh, graphite on the on the outside of each particle. Again, without getting getting too technical. So it's a it's one of those terms that kind of gets overused. Yeah. But it really it's where the magic happens in the battery is where the ions get stored in that graphene layer. So is the whole idea, and I think if I've got this right, it was kind of, I think it was discovered in Manchester graphene, but you know, the, when they discover that if you bake it basically, as you described, you make one layer of these carbon atoms, it becomes incredibly conductive for electricity. Right. Is that why you want to use it in batteries? Is that, is that it, it improves the efficiency or improves the, the, the potency of the battery? Absolutely. It increases the energy density, right? So you can get more you know, ions to store and that increases the, um, the, the, the duration of a charge, et cetera, and the ability to charge faster. So yes, it is a, it's a miracle type you know, um, element, very hard to produce. And right now the technology you know, has not caught up with the science, we'll say. What are you doing with it? What, what, where are you sticking it? What, what sort of batteries have you made things that are beyond concept? Are they actually in sort of production and, and commercial use? Yeah, so we, we really don't, we don't fabricate cells or batteries. You know, we really are, again, a midstream provider of the critical minerals. So we process that, that graphite for use in, in lithium ion batteries. And just to give you an idea of, of the scope and scale, uh, you know, in a lithium-ion battery, a typical lithium-ion, let's say, electric vehicle battery, there can be 15 times more graphite than lithium. Wow, that's really surprising. It's the largest component by volume in a lithium-ion battery. Huh. When you think about, you know, the, the basic components of a battery, the cathode and the anode are the positive and negative electrodes. And the other elements, you know, separator and electrolyte really don't get much, much press. What everyone's <laughs> focused on was the cathode side. Right, the the sexy metals, right? Lithium, nickel, cobalt, manganese. Correct. Yeah. And there's a you know each battery chemistry has its own kind of secret sauce and configuration of the cathode side. The anode side, since the inception of lithium-ion batteries in the 70s, has predominantly been graphite, 95 to 99 percent graphite. Right. The other small percentage being maybe silicon oxides and lithium titanium oxides and other kind of you know additives, if you will. So when you look about the sheer volume of critical mineral needed, needs going forward as you know, this proliferation of not only EVs, but also energy storage systems, you know, graphite plays a very important role in that, um, as well as the other, the other metals. But you know, just for a, when you ask what we do with it, you know, well, we just produce it, but what you know, the industry does with it is makes you know, a hell of a lot of, of, uh, of batteries. You're producing a lot of it, aren't you? Thousands of tons a year. We do. We, we are currently producing 10,000 tons. We're scaling that up to over 100,000 in the next couple of years in Asia. And we're also, you know, um, expanding into the U.S. And, and ultimately on into Europe. Why are you doing it? Because obviously, as I said right at the beginning, you can buy a bunch of batteries right now coming off the factories in China and they're being yeah. used everywhere. 
right? A lot right. of vehicles have probably got batteries that were manufactured in China. That they, they've got a huge sway of of the global market, and a lot of people say that that's because of the political structure there, which has sort of encouraged this. You've had the uh, the Biden plan, uh, you know, to to pump money in. Is this the kind of U.S. and response to that to try and say actually we need our own homemade supply chain issues for this kind of crucial material because we all know whatever you say about it battery numbers are only going to go up and up and up i think that's absolutely you know part of it is and it's helpful to have you know political will right to match consumer sentiment we'll say or yeah. societal sentiment right and i've been in this look you know this energy transition space for a long long time so for me, you know, to watch this this push for domestication of supply chain, um, and see an alignment of, uh, you know, political will, you know, societal desire and industry response, all kind of aligning and and with money to to back it, that's a great thing. You don't you don't always see that that kind of alignment, right? There's usually one element missing, which makes a lot of the the incentives or the the, the initiatives kind of peter out. But to your point, you know, China decided to, to you know, dominate the electrification space 20 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember when they were securing critical minerals around the world or, you know, rare earths and everything else. And the rest of the world kind of, you know, kind of let it, let it Just happen. ignored it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, in the sense, in the case of graphite, they have an even more of a stranglehold in the sense that the largest graphite deposit on the planet is in northeast province of China, right? So they've been mining that for decades, right? And in fact, our one of our operations is located very close to that location for obvious reasons. They now in the Chinese ecosystem, they've also you know put their mind to again dominating the market. So they've built ecosystems around us to support the proliferation of say critical mineral processing. For example, our processing plant is located in a graphite industrial park, right? Purpose-built to process graphite. Now, we don't have that in places like the U.S. or North America. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we are endeavoring to build out processing capability here for, as you alluded to, it, it only makes sense to, to bring your supply chain as close to the point of use as you can. And, you know, here in, in North America, uh, on the electric vehicle front, we started by fabricating vehicles. Now we're building, as a society, we're building gigafactories to make the batteries. And the next step is to, to build out the infrastructure to supply those batteries with the critical minerals that they need, all in an endeavor to separate or insulate ourselves from geopolitical tensions. And yeah, of course, change. of course. And I think a lot of that's come to the fore after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, you know, has really made people think about supply chains. Before we talk about kind of the, the wider picture, do you think the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, has given a signal? Because sitting here uh, in the UK, the other side of the pond, we kind of look at it and go, well, yeah, he's throwing a lot of money out here. Is, is this now, you know, what we should be copying here? And then there are detractors I've, I've read in the US media saying this isn't the way to go. And actually what you're doing is you're wasting a lot of money in R&D and there should be more kind of, you know, backing of certain technologies and creating more of a commercial market. Where do you see the Reduction Act in this whole process of kind of 
facilitating net zero? No, it's a great question because I, I from my seat, again, not only here at Graphics, but prior, right? And again, it's been for 25 years watching, I was in solar, yep. I was in energy yep. efficiency, et cetera. No government or political program is ever 100% right without flaw. Of course, right? of course. Um, sometimes it's a complete misfire, right? I was around in solar when the Solyndra thing happened, right? And we all knew that was a dog right out of the gate. <laughs> but it was, you know, the intention was there, right? Here with the Inflation Reduction Act, it is, it's part, you know, stick and carrot, right? So it's, it's incentives are available if you know the, the materials are processed in the US is the basic premise. For yeah. It. Now, yeah. some of that money that is going for R&D can be argued, you know what, let's get the the foundation built first. Let's build out the the current, you know, capabilities, you know, what what what's working now, let's let's start with that and then we'll get into the, you know, the more innovative, you know, end of the spectrum. Let's just build out for example basic you know, processing yeah, uh, of yeah. critical minerals. You know, there is some some concern that it's there's some distraction within it. But by and large, it is a great step in the right direction. Has it given you as a business person a signal of we would <clears throat> we will will invest? That's what that's Correct. what I'm trying to get to. Because yes. this is where people are always saying is if you get government, because at the end of the day it's all about government, right? Wherever you are in the world, if government goes we're going to back it and then not even back it with legislation. We're going to back it with some, with some green. Then people like you go, okay, do you know what? I'm going to, we're going to start to build out factories. We're going to start to do more processing. Absolutely. Not only for us, but for, you know, there is no industry here right now. There's an automotive industry for sure. Right. It's been around for over a hundred years. There's not really an electric vehicle ecosystem uh, here now. There, there's electric vehicle manufacturers, there are starting to be battery makers, but the rest of the, of, the, of the process chain is not really in place. There's really not much mining, if any, and there's not a lot of midstream processing like the work that we do. So the Inflation Reduction Act does motivate the build out of that infrastructure for sure, right? And in fact, it, it provides some funding between IRA and bipartisan infrastructure law. There is some putting, quote unquote, your money where your mouth is, from the government side. Yeah. Now, the concerns that can arise are, well, how sustainable is that? How sustained will it be? When there's exactly, <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> but there should be enough, you know, in this particular case, there there is enough kind of momentum on the societal adoption side of electric vehicles that it should pull, it should continue to pull that, that activity forward. Is is how you know companies like mine yeah. kind of. Think. It only makes sense that if there's going to be an electric vehicle marketplace, there needs to be an electric vehicle infrastructure in place, and there isn't right now. So that creates opportunity, commercial opportunity for you know companies like mine. There's a lot of people out there, um, particularly here in the UK, who look at the whole battery thing, and it's a little bit of. Uh, kind of the emperor's new clothes, right? Because we see the electric car, but they're too flipping expensive. There's not enough of them or whatever, but they're great to drive. Yeah, they're nice to drive, whatever, all of that. We see the idea of gigafactories, but hardly any of them have got off the ground. We talk about this battery deployment in our houses with kind of, let's have solar and a battery and all that. Again, it's all kind of very difficult, very expensive. You're backing it. You've got money in the business. Is it a question of perhaps what's really happened is that we've built up the whole battery thing so much, people like us in the press, 
people like, you know, businesses, entrepreneurs like you and, you know, all of that. And yet the reality is that there's just not enough of an infrastructure for these things to be deployed at scale to make them affordable to be used. It didn't happen overnight for internal combustion. Either. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You know, it's not going to happen overnight for this. Now, you know, I think there are opportunities to accelerate, you know, the build out of the infrastructure. It's where, again, the alignment of, of political will, money and, you know, industry response and really the consumers. Right. I mean, that's where it all it all kind of stems from. And that's where the Inflation Reduction Act did, I think, uh, poke the right button in rewarding consumers for adoption of electric vehicles. Is it enough? You know, we can argue all day long yeah, whether sure. it's enough, or what, but it's the right kind of approach, right? Which is to spark the demand or to assist with the demand that people inherently want to go electric. I think they, they finally have accepted that, you know, the whole food chain from dinosaur juice to, you know, to gas tank is, is really detrimental to the environment. Even if you want to poke at- Well, even in Texas? <laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe not so much there. Um, you are sitting in the People's Republic of California, which is a bit more European, yeah. isn't it? Well, every other car is a Tesla. There you right? go. So, yeah, I mean, the adoption is is starting to happen. So, but your point is is, is taken. It's it's not happening fast no. enough for a lot. No. Of yeah, I mean, but it's, I suppose the thing is, what I'm trying to get at is, you know, this whole supply chain area only becomes relevant when and it, you're probably right it will probably snap like that when suddenly we go flipping egg we haven't got enough batteries right we haven't got enough factories right now right. everyone's kind of dipping their toe because there's not enough people buying these things or there's not right. enough use for it so also it's also a tough environment right the there's uncertainty there's a couple of wars going on on you know it's it's it stock market's a little bit volatile so there's a little bit of uncertainty, and that always makes every you know consumers and industry alike kind of you know hunker down a little bit. But I think that'll break. Do you think there is an issue? Let's be let's be pretty blunt with China having such a big share of the market, not just from the point yeah. of view of kind of hey we'd like some of it ourselves, but do you think there's a wider issue? Well, for sure. I mean, you know, they put their mind to it again 20 years ago. And in the case of lithium-ion technology, it was you know developed here and really proliferated and, and more or less perfected you know over there. So even the proliferation that we see here in the U.S. and my company is 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 included in that. We perfected our processing in China, right? There you go. Um, and most of the battery companies, even the U.S. automakers, General Motors is aligned with uh, with LG, right? Ford with SK and LG and Samsung and et cetera. So then people say, then, then really, why is this not all happening, going back to that point, in the U.S. Yeah. or in the U.K. or Germany, whatever? Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's it's a question of now extracting that or, you know, or accessing that, you know, technology and, and bringing it bringing it here in a way that that does not still open us up to you know supply chain disruption of, in any way right and that that's a fine balance that has to be it is kind yeah, of struck. absolutely i mean I, and, and i think the thing about the supply chain issue is a really fundamental one which probably is the, is the crux of this podcast because i see what you're trying to do but you kind of need 
a global market for supply chains? Or do you see it being almost old school, you know, continental or even national supply chains for what they need to produce? Can't be. I don't see how that can be. In the case of critical minerals, they exist where they exist, you know, where, where geology put them, right? Um, for the natural minerals, we'll say, you know, those that can be fabricated, like in the case of synthetic graphite. That's a different, yeah, of course. You know, graphite exists where, and, and now in the case of graphite, there's plenty of it on the planet. It hasn't been really accessed very much because it hasn't really been that profitable to do so. Right. If you're going to spend the capex to build out a mine and put up with ten years of regulatory hurdle jumping, you're going to mine something more, you know, more profitable like lithium or gold or something else. Now it's starting to make sense, obviously, to to mine graphite because it's got use for again huge demand in electric vehicles, but there's also you know other ancillary uses. So my, to, to answer your question, as Yogi Berra would say, the world is becoming very global. Right? Yeah. 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 There has to be collaboration um, for this to be wide scale adopted on a global platform. And you see things like the Miner Mineral Strategic Partnership. That's kind of a, a step in that direction as well to say, kind of let's let's share the resources and share in the technology. Now, that's going to obviously be you know, somewhat challenging when you have to now cross political and commercial lines, if you will, right? And make everybody happy and everybody whole. But <clears throat> the idea is sound that you know let's let's work together right as a planet to to what we're all trying to do which is you know be more sustainable i suppose the thing is you know you, you said it a little earlier on you know the combustion engine had its own problems and you know the whole idea of supply chains took decades to to happen and we're sort of kind of i mean let's be honest i mean we we, we started uh, Future Net Zero Energy Live News, its predecessor, well, continuing company, we started that in 2010. And I drove a Tesla Roadster, and it was just a fun drive, and I thought it was like a kind of funfair car. And never in a million years did I think it would become something commercial, you know, and you'd get electric vehicles. So what's happened in literally one, one, one decade is incredible, right? Go yeah. back to, even yeah. go back to 2013. So... Right. Perhaps this is the the point I'm trying to get to is all the stuff that's happening with batteries, lithium, graphene, whatever you call it, the, the, the rollout, is this because it is a difficult transition and it will take us, dare I say, decades to get up to speed. I think that's a fair statement. You know, love him or hate him, you know, Elon really set the tone. I mean, people thought he did. He made him sexy. Yeah, he, he, he really did. Um, yeah, I remember, to your point, I remember seeing a GM Insight driving around my neighborhood and saying, boy, what, what, that, that's, that's crazy. That's a, that's a, it's a, kind of like the crazy guy in the neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Guy, you know. <laughs> but, you know, 10 years on, and it's, everybody's trying to figure out how to, how to make this work now. But it will take, it will take some time. I, I, I do think there'll be periods of, of rapid acceleration of you know uh, light bulbs going off and, and people saying really this does make sense right this this really is a better way uh to do it right once they get over the you know the range anxiety of what am i going to do if my electric vehicle runs out of charge you know um it's not as easy as getting a you know a gas can delivered well 
And that's the problem. Yeah, that's the that's the issue. Is the the infrastructure? We, in a way, I've had that. I've had, I've got the car, and then when it peters out, I'm like flipping it, and there's not enough charging points. And that I think has kind of affected the consumer in a way. Actually, it's not consumer confidence. It is, and I think you know that's where, especially here in the U.S., that's where entrepreneurs will fill that gap. You know, I've said that from the beginning. Not that I'm you know claiming to be a visionary, but. <laughs> Hundred and something years of, of internal combustion infrastructure. And that's not only the manufacturing, which is where we're all focused right now. That's service stations, Correct. you know, gas Correct. station mechanics. Yep. All the equivalents have to be kind of built out. So where do you take your electric vehicle when it craps out right now? You got to go back to the dealership, Correct. right? Yeah. Now there will eventually be mechanics and, and specialists that that's that fill that void. And that's where again the spirit of entrepreneurship will will really start to fill those gaps and I think in turn accelerate the adoption you know as a whole before we end um where do you see this uh kind of electrical people call it revolution evolution whatever you want to call it as I said slightly tongue-in-cheek but you are in you know California very forward thinking a lot of your fellow countrymen don't believe the same we've got indecision here in the UK and across Europe. We've got people still having issues and thinking it's just too far a jump. There are a lot of teething pains ahead for this industry, but do you feel that eventually the battery tech is going to become a very, very major part of our net zero transition? Oh, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. I think recycling uh, technology will play a role in that, right? So, so when 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 folks have a little bit more comfort level that these things are not once and done, you know, throw them away yeah. type of things, um, I think that will play a definite role in, in that. But um, I think the you know the uh, the idea of of a rechargeable, you know, especially when we can start tapping into renewable energy sources yeah. to help yeah. produce and and provide the charging. So. Again, yeah, you know, it sounds far flung right now, but service stations that have, you know, that that generate their own power via solar or hydrogen, you know, generation or whatever, you know, I think those technologies will will advance and we will find ourselves, you know, in a more sustainable place. And once people start to realize that, you know, there are finite resources, and I know it's taken decades, right? Before I remember the first Earth Day, you know, so. It's taken decades for people to start realizing, and especially the younger generation are very in tune with it now. Yeah. You know, there are finite resources and we really should figure out better ways, you know, to to do things like, you know, uh, mobilize, right? Um, uh, to, to, to be more sustainable about how we how we move around. And I think that will make, make this a reality, you know, um, and it will start to accelerate. So no 7.2 liter Chevy trucks anymore. When was the last time you saw an ad for a, a Hemi engine or anything like that? <laughs> Although I did see a Humvee the other day in the UK, well, and I was like, flipping it, I wonder what that cost to fill up. <laughs> yeah, and it's not, you know, it's, it's kind of like, eh, you know, it, it used to be looked at that that was kind of a cool thing. Now it's looked at like, what a waste. What a waste, absolutely. You know, if, this, if the Super Bowl over here in the States is a bellwether of anything, the ads, right? The adverts. Oh, yes, the, the adverts in your Super Bowl are massive, aren't they? People really pay millions for that. 
Yeah, every vehicle was electric Bobby. in the last Superman. <laughs> You're in the right business, John. <laughs> yeah. Thank you exactly. so much for getting up early and joining me on the Net Hero podcast. Um, I think it's great stuff. If you've got views on what John and I have discussed, get in touch on social media. Uh, have a look at what we're doing on futurenetzero.com and energylivenews.com. John, thanks very much for your time. I'll catch you soon. And remember to subscribe to the Net Hero podcast. You've been listening to the Net Hero podcast with Summit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to Net Zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.